listening to the Harp Podcast with Harpreet Bandir. Welcome back to the Harp Podcast. My name is Jagraj Singh Lali. Our main host, Harp, is not here today. He has some other business to attend to, but I'm very pleased to be joined by the media operations manager of Four Vengeance Media, along with the play-by-play voice of the Junior Prospects Hockey League, Mr. Dean Millard. Dean, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Um, I'm a fan of your work that you do for the JPHL, and I love uh, that you guys are expanding into this podcast format. So my pleasure. For sure, for sure. Uh, so I wanted to really touch on uh, the beginning of your broadcast career. So how did your broadcast journey begin? Uh, well, it almost didn't begin. I, I originally wanted to be in uh, print media um, and didn't get accepted into uh, Red River College in, in Manitoba, in Winnipeg, into the media program, the journalism program. And so and I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do then? Um, and my older brother was in uh, uh, sports media at the time. And I thought, well, that seems like an easy job. I'll just go and talk about sports all the time, read highlights, whatever. And uh, so decided to, I guess, follow in his footsteps a little bit and uh, jumped into Western Academy Broadcast College in Saskatoon. It was a very quick five-month uh, broadcasting course where you're thrown into the fire and you learn the right if the for the first day you're in a studio uh and it, it's it's kind of interesting i don't know if i've actually told this story uh publicly very often so i decided uh we all got practicums five months of school and then we got a three-month practicum and my teacher said why don't you want to go to brandon and i said well i don't think there's a lot of jobs there at the radio station i'd just be stacking tape and carts that was back when there were carts and tape and it wasn't all digitalized and so they said, well, we, we've got a job at CKX. And so I decided to go to CKX. I showed up for my first day thinking I was doing a practicum in radio and it was TV. And I just never said anything. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to pretend this is where I belong. I had no TV training, like basically a little bit of on camera. I had no idea how to report. And I just made it up, learned, phoned my brother right away and said, what do I do? Like, help me here. I'm, you know. I'm I'm probably in over my head and I learned as I went I learned everything I I just gobbled up all the education and learning I could from my colleagues uh and tried I was like a, a duck basically nice and calm on top of the water and freaking out underneath and I just learned and and educated myself and worked really hard and that's how it went it was backwards from most people how they were starting back then where they would go into radio and then branch into television I went straight into tv never said anything and then later on got into radio so uh, my start uh, was an interesting one in Brandon Manitoba and um, you know I got the the opportunity to cover the 1997 Olympic curling trials the first time Canada was ever in the Olympic curling and Sandra Schmerler made the shot of the of ever the best greatest shot of all time uh, so it was a great place. It's my hometown as well. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, that's how I that's how I ended up in uh, in television right off the bat after broadcast college. Well, you were talking about 1997. That was actually the year where you landed your first job at the Craig Broadcasting Corporation. So how how what was it like just breaking into the industry as someone who had just finished their education at the college? Yeah, uh, it was it was uh, an easier transition for me because it was the the city I grew up in. So 
you know, I would be going and talking to the Brandon Wheat Kings of Kelly McCrimmon, and we had billeted Brandon Wheat Kings. So I knew Kelly McCrimmon, and I knew, you know, my brother had worked in this same station. Um, so it was really easier for me than, say, if I was in Peterborough or, um, you know, Red Deer right off the bat, which is what I went to next. It was just a, a great, comfortable situation where when I phoned somebody to do an interview, I usually knew them, whether it was in sports or news. And I had to start out in news because I there was already three guys in the sports department, which is crazy that we had that many for such a small market. Now you don't even have sports departments, but I started out in news. Uh, I always wanted to be a teacher. So I took the education reporter job and then worked my way into sports doing anything I could. Uh, so it was awesome to start out in my, my hometown I loved it. Uh, got to cover the WHL finals in 1998. Marion Hosa, probably the best junior hockey player I've ever seen in person, playing for Portland. Uh, and it was a great city to cover sports in because there was a ton of it back then. So it was the perfect start for me. Everyone has their big break, you know, and after working with Craig Broadcasting Corporation for three years, you were able to land a job with Global. And you started out in Red Deer. So tell me about that. What was, how did your role as an anchor for the sports segments, especially first in Red Deer, then uh, Regina, how did they contribute to your growth as a sports broadcaster? Yeah, so Red Deer uh, started out the same way Brandon started out. I I had to take a news job and, and get out there with the promise that I would be able to do sports part-time. And then, you know, when a sports job came open, it would it would be going to me. So I took a, another education reporter job out there and, and did sports on the side. Um, and it was so fun because my first year in Red Deer was Brent Sutter's first year owning the Red Deer Rebels. And, you know, when you're the, one of the only sports guys in Red Deer, uh, other than the radio and the, the TV guys, you get to know the team. And man, did I know that team like the back of my hand uh, from that year and then getting to follow them all the way to winning a Memorial cup in 2001. It was awesome. I mean, you know, I was in red deer. I was in between uh, Calgary and Edmonton. So you're hoping to get noticed by some, some news directors. Uh, the rebels obviously won a Memorial cup. Um, you know, it's just a fun city. You know, you can zip an hour and a half one way or the other way. And you're in an NHL and a CFL city. Uh, so I loved it. Uh, we were, it was, a, it was a weird situation. We were a global station, but we were also a CBC affiliate. So I would have do promos with Ron McLean. He would come, that's where he got his start. He would come by and we would do promos because we would do Hockey Night in Canada. And we had a show on Saturday right before it, but we were also part of the global chain. So it was unique in that way. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Ironically, they used to host the Flames games on that station in Red Deer um, and the, the, the saddest part about this Jag is that both of the first two stations I started at no longer exist. CKX and Brandon and RDTV and Red Deer are both closed. And it, it, I, I, you know, I, I worry about the next generation. Where do you go? Well, you go to For Vengeance Media and, and production companies who are doing a lot more streaming and not a lot more coverage of sports than actual stations are these days. So it's it's at least there's something there that I'm glad because you should never come out of college and go to a major market. Unfortunately, that is happening and, and you just get buried. So that that's my first two stints. Um, I left Red Deer to go to Regina. And the sad part is I took a pay cut and, and that should never happen in our industry. I went from a smaller market to a bigger market, took a pay cut with global television. The reason I did it 
is I needed more on air. I'd applied in Edmonton, applied in Calgary, wasn't getting any jobs. And I said, I need to get myself more airtime. Some people, my boss in, in Red Deer told me, he said, you're, that's a terrible move. You're, you know, the, the station director, not my news director, the, the station director who I don't think knew a whole lot about uh, actual broadcasting and anchoring said, it's a terrible move. I don't know what you're doing. I said, I need more airtime. I need live airtime, live anchoring. So I went to Regina. I had my own half-hour show on Sunday that I molded into my show, how we wanted to do it. I would anchor the other half-hour show. And I was there 10 months and got a job in Edmonton. So it is exactly what I needed, Jag. And don't ever let somebody tell you what your path should be. Take the advice from people, but somebody should never definitely tell you that this is the right path. Because sometimes you have to take a sidestep to get up. And I needed more airtime. And I got to Regina, I got that, landed in Edmonton and, and haven't left, although I've worked a few different jobs. But it was it was just something I had to do for my career or I was never going to get to that level and I probably would have burned out and left. You were mentioning before how our industry is changing all the time now, especially nowadays when it seems like it's cutthroat, you know. You spent over a decade as a sports anchor at Global. What are some of the most significant changes you observed in our industry at the time? Well, robotic cameras, you know, not having an actual uh, camera person in the studio. Um, that was the big thing. You know, when I was in my time at Global Edmonton, amazingly, we kept three sports guys for the whole time. They just recently lost their sports department. But we ended up doing the sports in Halifax. And uh, we would do the weather for Regina. Like Global basically took all their stations and put the program rooms in Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, Calgary. And so I would go down when I was anchoring our half hour show, not a half hour show, we used to have one. Uh, but when I was anchoring our 11 sports, I would go down at nine o'clock or 8.30, I guess it was, and do the Halifax. Some uh, person, a reporter would write it all up and I would go down and read it. So the, the the jobs just disappeared more and more every year. So robotic cameras came in um, and then, you know, you lose sports and you lose this. And, and you know, uh, when I when I ended up at Bell, uh, it was the same thing every year. Somebody lost their job. And so the jobs have disappeared. The stations have disappeared. The de sports departments have disappeared. I do not know a single news station that has a sports department anymore I, you, you, I could be wrong um i know jay durant and those guys still work out at global bc but i do not think there is a, a an actual sports department uh, but i know calgary edmonton they're all gone ctv they've been gone for a long time so the the decline of uh broadcast sports and the increase of streaming and and broadcasting and podcasting i mean you do not have to go to broadcast college, come out, start at a station anymore. You can go to broadcast college. You don't even have to go to broadcast college. My president at, at For Vengeance Media, Brandon Ewan Cheshire, didn't go to broadcast college. He's the voice of the saints, and he's the brains behind all the, the tremendous broadcasts that we do uh, for the JPHL, for For Vengeance. So you can go to college. You don't have to, or you can go, you get the training. I would recommend still getting the training, uh, but you can come out and start your own show. If you're good enough, people will watch and people will pay you to advertise. You have to be really good to get to that point in podcasting, but it is a different path and it's a different destination now where it's leagues that want their broadcasts streamed and companies uh, are increasing. And, and I predict that 
they'll be building rinks with broadcast streaming in mind uh, as they go. Hopefully a lot more rinks in the Vancouver area because some of them are, are really old that we're going into, Jack. <laughs> On a lighter note, do you have a favorite story or a favorite moment from your time at Global? Um, from my time at Global Television, well, I, I would have to say the 2006 Stanley Cup run where the Oilers went to Game 7. Um, you know, I was was privileged to be able to talk with Craig McTavish in Vancouver about that when he joined the broadcast. Um, being in the in the rink, meeting Bob Cole on the catwalk uh, in the Stanley Cup final and just walking up to him and shaking his hand is one of the greatest moments that I've ever had of, you know, watching Rafi Torres crush guys and Sean Horkoff score an overtime winner and triple overtime against San Jose is the moment. So that series, obviously, uh, and the, you know, the, you know, I, I got it. I had a chance to fly down to LA and interview David Beckham one time for a junket when he was coming to play a game in Edmonton with the LA galaxy. So it was a lot of fun. It was just great people. Uh, you know, I met my wife here, um, you know, the, the, literally the second day I moved to Edmonton, pretty much. She just scooped me right off the market, Jag, and uh, never let me have a chance with with anybody else. None of the girls had a chance. No, but in all seriousness, this is the, the market I dreamed of when I was a kid. I mean, I was an Oilers fan, first and foremost, because of Andy Moog. Uh, so Edmonton has a special place in my heart there. Um, it's where I've met my wife and established, you know, the, the rest of my career. Uh, so my favorite things are just that. I, I I will tell you my one funny moment as far as play-by-play that I think is is quite funny. And that's the very first play-by-play game I did was, uh, or not the first one, but Cam Moon, the voice of the uh, now Edmonton Oilers on the radio, was the voice of the Red Deer Rebels. Very first game at Rogers Place, Edmonton Oil Kings, Red Deer Rebels, a crane gets stuck on the ice. And so there's like a two and a half hour delay. And wow. so I'm just there with my wife and her family. We're watching the game. Cam texts me and says, can you do an intermission interview with me? I'll be up there. You know, we worked together so closely when we were in Red Deer covering the Rebels. So I said, definitely, I'll be up there to do that. And the game finally gets going and it's delayed. You know, it's long. It's like going to be late. He texts me and he says, hey, by the way, if this game goes any later, you have to finish play by play. And I'm like, ah, that's funny. I'm an anchor. I read off a teleprompter, man. I am not a play. I've never, ever at that point in my life thought of doing play by play. Really? I'd done a couple of games. I said, yeah, haha. He goes, no, seriously, I got a flight to Buffalo to see my kid play baseball. This kid who now plays professional baseball in Sweden was playing baseball in, in university. He goes, I'm going straight to the airport. You're coming up to finish this game. And, and I said, I've not experienced, I went up there. I was so scared, Jag. I literally called an, a more exciting shootout goal for Edmonton than I did for Red Deer. Then I realized I was calling the Red Deer broadcast. I'm sure they were glad when Mooner got back, but it was a, it was an interesting thing that made me think, Hey, that was a lot of fun. And I want to do this. And, and the reason I tell that story is don't ever be afraid to get out of your comfort zone on a broadcast. You know what? You can make mistakes on live television. The very first time I was on live television, I probably should have got sued because I went off script. I didn't know what I was saying. You, you can make mistakes in live television and it's not the end of the world. You obviously don't want to slander or anything like that, but don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone because you never know how much you might enjoy something that you never thought you would do. I never wanted to learn how to work a camera. I never wanted to do play-by-play. I wish I would have learned all these things so much earlier in my career. So that's why I tell that story because it sparked kind of what I'm doing now. After that 2006 cup run for the Oilers, we were actually talking about this last weekend over at Planet Ice. They had that decade of darkness where the team just had no direction or nowhere to go. 
But in September of 2014, you started at TSN hosting the pregame show for the Oilers. What was it like covering uh, that pregame show during the NHL season? Well, during the decade of darkness, it sucked. Like it was, you know, it, listen, don't, don't get me wrong. It was fun. You're doing a, a pre and post game show and, and you're excited at the beginning. Uh, but as the years dragged on, it just got like the, the fans in Edmonton were just awful. They were so upset and angry and it just got toxic. It became a toxic environment. They were so bad and they just couldn't get out of their own way with some of the decisions that they were making. Um, you know, every time you thought, okay, they're turning a corner, another catastrophe would happen. So I look at it and I say, listen, you had Gretzky, you have McDavid, you at least earned a decade of darkness. You had the greatest player of all time. And now you have the best player right now. If you know, that's at least at the, they basically paid, for Gretzky and McDavid with that decade of darkness, because before that, you know, before the salary cap, they were always middle, like middle is death. And Kelly McCrimmon tells me when we talk a lot about, Hey, be going for it or rebuild going for, and that's in junior hockey, but he has the same philosophy in the NHL and the Oilers were always seventh, eighth, ninth, seventh, eighth, ninth, never getting anywhere. They went on one run in 06. You know, they beat Colorado and Dallas a couple of times in the nineties, but they were death. It was they were stagnant. And then the salary cap came in. They had that great run, and then nothing. Now they have the greatest player of all time, and it's copper bust again for this team. So the decade of darkness, I hope, has humbled this you know fan base a little bit because you know they they were the greatest fan base of all time when you have Gretzky. And then they were mirror mediocre, and then they had the cup run, and then terrible. And now they're back up again. So it's almost like they made a deal with the devil uh, to have Gretzky and McDavid. And the, and the price was the decade of darkness. And after McDavid, maybe there's two decades of darkness. I don't know. So you said that, well, you mentioned before that slowly the the broadcasting world of sports has transitioned into more so of streaming sports and podcasts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. In March 2019, you began um something called podcast alley just tell me where that idea came from from my wife she came up with that name but we you know i had been laid off from bell media uh as every year another person was on the chopping block i, I it was amazing i went 25 years in broadcasting without getting laid off which i is a, is a pretty good accomplishment with the amount of people that have been laid off and and now yeah, I look at it and say, if you haven't been laid off in broadcasting, you haven't been doing it long enough because eventually it happens that, you know, I took it really hard, but there's no shame in it because you're just, a, 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 unfortunately, a number uh, as I was uh, to to uh, to Bell Media and, and things like that. So, you know, I had I had a, a non-compete clause in my contract. I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even go to Australia and do a podcast. It was so strict. So I had to wait and bide my time and everybody told me you should do a podcast so that's what we came up with we had a number of different shows sports and more uh we had uh a prospects baseball show um I, we, we just came up we tried to throw everything at it and, and the podcast world is so hard it is you, you think oh i'm just going to go on there and talk and people are going to listen but once you've been off the air for three months or four months or five months, people find other things to do. It's a, it's fun. I loved it. I learned a lot about technology and I learned a lot about what does work and doesn't work. 
Um, and, you know, we're, we're still doing it today with uh, For Vengeance Media, but it was a really good education into how hard it is to, you know, be terribly successful where you have advertisers wanting. I mean, the amount of people that I've talked to about wanting to start a podcast and they say, oh, I want to be like Joe Rogan where I don't prepare. Yeah. Do you honestly think Joe Rogan does not prepare? He might look like he doesn't prepare, but you cannot do a podcast and and be that successful by not preparing. It takes a lot of work. And the thing I found is you're the host, you're the editor, you're the researcher, you're the promoter, all of these things, the producer that I had at a radio station or a TV station, you're all of them by yourself. It's, it's fun, but it's a grind. And if you want to make a living at it, you have to be really, really good. So it was educational for me. Uh, and I said, as I said, we, we're still doing stuff, tracking the draft with Craig Button, I think is is coming back. Um, so I loved it. Um, and I like doing it more now uh, with the backing of Four Vengeance Media, where we have a little bit more support uh, in that role. And you're not doing everything uh, by yourself. So you mentioned a couple of other shows that you did, such as Sports and More or the Prospects, uh, the Prospects Baseball Show. Um could you tell us more so about like the theme, the whole theme you were going towards? Obviously, you had just been laid off, right? And so it was kind of a learning experience for you at the time as well. But what theme were you trying to build with all those shows you were doing? The Prospects one was based on the Prospects Baseball Club there in the Western Canadian Baseball League. So uh, it was more so we would interview their players and you know talk about their game. So that was uh, baseball centric. Sports and more was a little bit more wide open, right? My first guest was Kelly McCrimmon, who was just recently uh, uh, joining the Vegas Golden Knights, and Olivia Chow, uh, who or Olivia Chang, pardon me, who was uh, part of the show Warrior, who I had worked with at RDTV. And so it was, well, I literally wanted it to be sports and more. I wanted to talk sports, but I also wanted to talk pop, pop culture and different things. And, you know, you're, you're doing things that you think are great, but maybe not everybody. So the, the thing I learned is, when you're creating a show, don't make it all the stuff you love because not everybody is like you. You don't like something, but there's a whole lot of other people that do. So maybe you have to talk about that. So, you know, I learned over time. It's like, yeah, it doesn't seem like people are interested in this or this. Um, and so uh, it was uh, it was again, it was a learning experience of of what, you know, and, and again, you can do whatever you want on a podcast. It just doesn't mean everybody's going to listen. So as much as people say there's no rules in podcasting, there's rules to success. And, and you have to sort of follow those. And that's by discussing things, and, you know, getting popular guests when you can and, and 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 having intelligent conversations. Me and you were fortunate enough to first meet each other through For Vengeance Media and covering the JPHL. Just tell me how your journey with For Vengeance got started. Started last October. Uh, I guess kind of around this time, I, I went down to Calgary uh, to work for a company called HN Live, who was handling most of the production for the JPHL. Um, I arrived at the rink and on the way down there, I phoned uh, a friend of mine who's a, a head scout in the NHL that had some knowledge about the JPHL. And uh, he, he spoke highly of it. So I, I didn't know hardly anything about actually, I knew barely anything about this league. Uh, last year because it was brand new not many people knew about this league uh, so I drove down to Calgary covered some games met Richard Nolte the commissioner um, met Spitz Tyrell Spitzer uh, and and really loved it and 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 they in turn liked the job I was doing and just over time the rest of the year I continued to do freelance got a little bit more involved 
in some of the production elements of, of some of the intermission and things like that. And um, just became more and more uh, their, their play-by-play voice and, you know, started discussing things about, you know, maybe coming on board and them expanding with four vengeance and things. And that's where it, it led to a, you know, a full-time position starting this past June. And uh, man, we're, we're, we'll be over a thousand games when all is said and done this year, we went from one mobile kit to four, got our brand new arena opening. Um, I just, there's so many things I'm excited about with this company. And, and like I said, I've, I talked to, I've talked to three practicum students in the last three, three days uh, because these are the places that they want to go to, to be able to do sports. So the sky's the limit for us. I really think that uh, we, we're going to continue to grow and we're going to grow at the right pace. We're not going to bite off more than we can chew. It's a really, really fun place to be. You know, it's a fun office to be a part of. It's, it's like a hockey team where, you know, our, our president of Silent Ice is Stephen Gertzen, who played in the NHL. And, and it's like a hockey team in our office. It's, it's really quite fun. So I, I'm really happy to be at Four Vengeance Media. You started doing play-by-play through freelancing last year for these guys. What was it like traveling again, you know, coming down to BC? That's where that's where we were first able to meet each other. Mm-hmm. I believe we were at Planet Ice the day we met each other. But it was, what was it yeah. like being able to travel again? It was great. It was it was fun. Um because when you're even even when I worked at the television station, our travel budget was so minimal, so we, we didn't get to travel a whole lot. Uh, so it was it was a lot of fun. It was neat to get out to different places. It was you know it was nice to escape Edmonton in the winter a little bit and uh, get out to Vancouver where it's a little bit warmer. So uh, I really enjoyed it. I liked getting out to the different rinks and seeing you know just different hockey. Uh, this year was fun. I got up to Williams Lake. I've been to Lethbridge. Um, Calgary and and then back out to Delta last weekend. So it's been amazing. Um, you know, the, the different parts of the, uh, the country that you get to see the different kind of hockey and the different arenas. I, I absolutely love it. Through the production that for vengeance media put on, especially for the JPHL championship series last season, mm-hmm. that was one of the most, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, honestly, with us having a guy on the ice as well, the intermission segments and everything. Just tell me how all that was put together. Uh, that's uh, our president, Brandon Ewan Cheshen, uh, who who uh, spearheads that. He's the the voice of the Spruce Grove Saints, and he and he's just a he produces that. He directs our our broadcast. Um, so we have him as our director. Uh, Caden Cronowit is our uh, replay specialist on that one. We also have uh, a sound person position. We have a tight and a wide camera, and then the White Rabbit uh, camera that you talked about that goes out on the. Uh, the whistles and things like that and after goals uh then we have myself doing play-by-play we will probably add a uh an analyst we're gonna gonna do the big show as we call it uh for the finals of the winter championship so i think and there's a challenge cup so i think there'll be five games in the one day like that and we'll we'll hopefully have uh a color analyst with us and, and maybe a host or i might just slide back and forth and do the hosting but it's fun you know you're having a massive production was real and we, we also have two uh, uh Marshall POV cameras behind the net so we could take those behind the net shots we got such a great shot of Ethan Creerin pulling one off the line last year it was just the most amazing thing and, and listen I'll put our production up against anybody it's, it looks so good it's very professional uh it's very good um and it's just the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to be able to do 
with uh, with for vengeance continuing to be on the rise, as you were mentioning, streaming sports is on the rise as well. What are some things that for vengeance is looking to do this year? Like what's in the what's in the works right now? Uh, not everything I can talk about, but we will have um, challenge cups. Um, and so those are um, if people aren't familiar, we are the host broadcaster of the Junior Prospects Hockey League. Um, the, we also have the Hockey Super League, which is sim- similar to the uh, the HPL out in, in BC. And so they have their events where they're called Challenge Cups, where t- teams enter it. Uh, so we'll be doing full shows for those on the, the Sundays, and they're spread out throughout the year. As mentioned, our Winter Championship. Um, we have different events potentially in Detroit and Nashville that we're looking at, uh, but we are going to be hosting something called the NORAM Cup or the, uh, the I guess, the JPHL. And, and that's going to bring in um, teams from across the United States, across Canada, maybe even beyond. I don't want to give away too much, but that is going to be in May. Uh, so some spring events. And, and then we're looking at, you know, we want to expand. We'd love to get into some baseball uh, whether it's soccer, you know, some spring and some summer events. So certainly we want to expand past hockey, but the one thing we don't want to do is take on more than we can handle. So we want to make sure we're nailing the JPHL this year, get it perfect, which I think last weekend was pretty close to being perfect as we can get. It was pretty awesome having you aboard there. But if we can nail the JPHL, then we have the confidence to go out and do anything. And 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 I think we're we're well on our way. You guys have given me such a great opportunity to work with you over at For Vengeance and the JPHL. I can honestly say it's just me. It's just a guy who's passionate about the sport of hockey, who loves to do what he does. And it's my second season now with you guys. So it's been it's been a dream come true, honestly. And I, I look forward to the rest of the season. We still have a lot of hockey left mm-hmm. to play. So I know uh, I know we still got a lot of time on our hands. And we're going to be back at George Preston real soon as well. Yeah, I can't wait to get into that rink. Uh, I've heard so many great things about it. And, uh, you know, I, I love your your passion and your drive. I love that when we were talking earlier this year and you said, I'd really like to get more play-by-play and, and show you that I've improved. And just from that comment, I was like, yes, I am going to give you more games because I like somebody who tells me what they want to do in his path. And I could hear the passion in your messages. And so, and, and I, and I think you've done a terrific job uh, of, of uh, getting the message out for us and broadcasting our games. And you can truly tell that this is something that you want to do. So, so we're lucky to have you on, on our, and uh, our roster, Jag. It's a, it's a real great find for us to, to have uh, run into you last year. One thing I do want to say to you guys is I, I think I enjoyed that JPHL championship broadcast way too much that I want to have a similar tournament type style here in BC. I want one let's, here. Yeah, let's, well. let's get her going for sure. I think the main thing here is just finding a rink that we can finding a rink that we can occupy for most of the day. That George Preston one is looking is looking real nice right now, though. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe potentially you got the uh uh, what's the one in Coquitlam, the station? Uh, they got three ranks there for the Express. So that could be a potential uh, location for one of those winter championship uh, type big show events.
Yeah, for sure. We'll have to have our talk with Richard <laughs> Noel, our JPHL exactly. commissioner, for sure. But Dean, I appreciate you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You know, it was a pleasure going over your earlier career, your career now, and what your plans are for the future as well. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be on board and uh, looking forward to you getting behind the mic for for Vengeance Media in the future. Uh, I think our next one is the 26th, 27th. Not sure if you're, are you on that one in October? Yes. All right. I'm I looking am, uh, forward to that one because I'm not going to be out there now. I got to stick around in Edmonton. So I'm, I'm scheduling that one. So looking forward to you being back on the mic for that one. Uh, in November, we have events. We have the big one in January that I know you're going to be a part of. So we're really excited to have you on board and calling games uh, for Four Vengeance Media. It's been a pleasure working with you guys so far, and I look forward to continuing that relationship moving forward. You got it, man. Thanks so much. Frequency clear.